Take your Bible, go with me to Mark 8. I want to say happy birthday, Pastor Sue. Uh, uh, I'll say that um, uh, this church would not exist without your vision. Uh, because years ago, uh, she came to me and she said, I need you to do a life group. And I said, oh, okay. And we started a life group in a stinky gym. It started with like 15, 12, 15 people. And then, and then remember the, your kid, you, you broke her ankle in there. <laughs> was it not yours? Whose was it? Oh, it was your children, yes. Somebody's child, uh, Pastor Dom, they had this rope in the gym, and Pastor Dom would like swing the kids 40 feet in the air. Then she fell down. And then, but uh, you know, we won't talk about that. But it was a good. So, you know, so that it turned from, you know, 12 people to, to 15 to 36. Before you knew it, uh, weekly, we were meeting with, you know, near 75 people in that congested space. And then God moved us to the Cambria. How many were a part of that experience? Oh, you've been around for a while, a lot of you. And uh, then from there, we, we found this, this home and uh, dispossessed this territory. So I just... You know, I've been claiming this. It's found in Luke. Um, Luke. Let me see. I don't know. I'll get it. I'll get it later. But I just, I, this is a year of reward for you. Uh, the whole text where it says, you know, if you give up a, a cup of cold water, uh, you receive a, a reward, a reward. And I, you know, for all those that want this word, I just, I've claimed it for myself this year that this is the year of, of reward for, the, for those who have been faithful to the Lord. And so I see, I look around the room, I see so many faithful uh, individuals in, of faith. They're just faithful, you know. And, and I, I just want you to know there's a reward for faith. Because if there's a reward for a, a cup of cold water to a word from God, then there is a reward of faith to the believer. I believe that over your life, Pastor Sue, that this is the year of reward. And just claim that. This is the year where, you know, my faithfulness is rewarded for my children. This is the year that my faithfulness is rewarded uh, for my family, uh, for my region, for my health, you know, for, for my mom. This is the year of reward where I, I cash in. I cash in this year. This is, you know, you go and you say, all right, I want, I, want, I want it all this year. This is the year where I, I want what I've been praying for. And so I believe that it's the year of the reward. Do I need to receive the offering? Is that Because I see you holding that. That's the indication that somebody needs to receive the offering. How many are familiar with the, okay, how many are familiar with the Matthew principle? Raise your hand if you're familiar with the Matthew principle. Amen, amen. Anybody else familiar? Well, you are familiar with it. You just, you just haven't, you know, connected Matthew 25. Matthew 25, there's a story in Matthew 25 where uh, Jesus comes and he gives $5 to one, two to the other, and then he gives one. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> really do something good with that one, right? So he, uh, this is the story that he shares. And, uh, and so the, the, the person who got the five takes the five and then goes and turns it into another five. Just, hey, good for you. Give me five. That's what I'm talking about. You know what? And then the, and then the person with the two, what's your name? Olden. Olden. Uh, you took two and then you, what'd you do with it? You turned it into two more. Give me five, man. All right, all right. So he turns it into a two, and then, bro, 
he took his and he buries it. He buries it and he waits for, for Jesus to come back. And when Jesus comes back, Jesus is like, hey, what'd you do with yours? That's what I'm saying. What'd you do with yours? My man, what'd you do with yours? Oh, he said, he said it so sad too. You know, like, why did you make me the guy who buried it? You know what I mean? And, uh, and Jesus becomes furious. Jesus in the story becomes furious. He's like, you know, why'd you do that? And he said, well, because I know, I know your character. And, and you, you reap what you don't sow, and you're hard, man, and you're, and you're tough, and you're, you know, you're, you're Jesus, you know? And Jesus gets mad at him. Do you ever wonder why Jesus got, why'd you get so mad? Jesus, chill out, bro. Like, it's just a dollar. Just take it from the guy who turned it into five, you know what I mean? Like, he, you know, just take, take one from him. He's got 10 now. I got one, you know? That's the thing. Like, most of the time, we spend most of our time fighting with one another as to why you got more than me rather than wondering, like, what am I doing with what you gave me? So he gets mad, and he gets mad, and I'm going to tell you why he gets mad. He gets mad because he gets mad because he says, you claim to know my character, but you reacted, your, your behavior proves that you don't know me. You pretend like you know me, but you don't know me, and that made Jesus upset. He said, I really don't like when people pretend to know me because they want, they want me to move on their behalf out of pretense. That's why Jesus gets mad. Not you, man. That's why Jesus gets mad. So you ask yourself, where, am I li- where in my life am I pretending to know his character because I want his blessing? All right? Another thing that, that really is staggering about this story is that Jesus never tells them what to do with it, which is not really fair if you think about it. You're like, Jesus, you're mad at me, man. You're mad at me for burying the dollar, but you didn't even tell me what to do with it, which proves that the Spirit gives life, and based on the intimacy you have with Jesus, it'll tell you what to do with what he's given to you. So the secret to knowing how to multiply what God has given to you lies in your intimacy and connection to Jesus. You will never be able to manage your money correctly with the benefits of heaven until you connect deeper with Jesus. That's the principle in the story. How do you know? But then there's this Matthew principle that's found. All the business owners know this. Every businessman, all the gurus, all all the wealthy of the world know the Matthew principle. Do you hear me? Every, Every billionaire knows the Matthew principle. And it is this. To the one who has, more shall be given unto them. You know it like this. The rich get, and the, that's the Matthew principle. The one who has more. So this is, Jesus explains this. He says, to the one I gave, the one who took what I gave and knew the character of me and knew how to invest it wisely, took the risk to invest it according to my character, so you know how to invest. He said, to that one, more shall be given. Take, the, take away the one who who took it and didn't manage it correctly. So, so 
what you have is a direct is in direct proportion to how you manage. And the Matthew principle states, so the one who has more shall be given. This principle is seen, I gotta move on. But this principle is seen really uh, poignantly in, in the story where the woman brings her daughter to Jesus and says, she's a Syrophoenician woman, her, her daughter's uh, sick, and she brings her daughter to Jesus, and, and Jesus says, I've, not, I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel, uh, not the dogs. He calls her a dog. You remember that story? She's really cold-blooded, you know what I mean? Jesus calls her a dog. She, she's wanting, and, and uh, she says this to Jesus in return to that. She says, uh, uh, yes, yes, Jesus, but don't the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. This is the Matthew principle. The Matthew principle is what the one despised, I see value in. It just gives me, and what she was saying, which moved the heart of Jesus, was just give me what they neglect. Just give me what falls off of their table, and I'll turn that into a miracle. That's the Matthew principle. Like, Jesus, Jesus said, oh, my. And you, Jesus, when he hears her say that, he says, oh, my goodness. You know the, you know the principle of the word. You know that, that if you take what I gave you and you're faithful with it, then I'll give you more. Because faithfulness proves stewardship. So ask yourself a question. What, what are you doing with what God gave you? And, and how do you know what to do with it? What has he given you? Don't, don't focus on what he gave somebody else. Forget about that. Forget about, well, well, if I had what they had, I would do that. That's, what we, that's the excuse we use. But Jesus said, no, no, no. I gave them according to their proportion to manage it. He did, but he didn't say, he didn't say like, but just because he gave you two, it didn't mean you couldn't turn it to four. And, and the fact that he gave you two and you turned it to four and, the, and there's people out there who despise the one, see, that's why you don't want to get into that because you'll lose your one and it'll come to me because I'll take it. Right, I'll take it. The people of faith will say, all right, if you don't want it, that's where we get all mixed up in, in faith. Like we think like, well, but I'll quit. Well, trust me, if you quit, God will raise up somebody else that'll take your place. Like this, you know, if you quit, and he'll give it to those who have already. So how do you know? So what are you doing with what he gave you? Don't compare with what he gave you. What are you doing with what he gave you? Don't worry about the, the amount of what he gave you because you can turn the amount of what he gave you into w way more. So the amount doesn't matter. And then how do you know what to do with it? Well, you got to know the character of Jesus. You have to know Jesus more intimately. The more intimately you know with Jesus, the more secrets he's going to reveal on how to invest what he gave you, your time, your treasure, your talent. He's going to reveal to you like, this is what you should be doing with it. The, the fact of the matter is this. It, it, we know his character enough to know, based on how he spoke to the five and the two, we know his character. <laughs> kids, kids, they're all right. They're all right. They're all right. He just got caught up by the Holy Ghost back there. He's like, ah! You know what I mean? <laughs> 
we know his character is to multiply. I want you to hear that. And I just, I just declare that over your life. Multiply, he's just going to multiply your life. So his character is to multiply. His character is to increase. It's never to decrease. So, you know, he's a good father. He said, I know how to give good gifts to my children. Not like the world, I give good gifts to my children. He wants to bless you, he wants to increase you. Don't you accept the theology of poverty? Don't you accept the theology of, of suffering? It's not, that's not in the word. We shall endure suffering, why? For the joy that is set before us. Yes, we're gonna go through it, but we don't live there. We don't live in the valley of the shadow of death. We come out of the valleys of the shadow of death and we push through to it. So God wants to increase, he wants to multiply. Whatever he's given to you, he wants to multiply it, amen? So that's the Matthew principle. And, I want, and, and the reason I share that with with you is because if the wealthy of the world who are pagans utilize it to their advantage it's time for you to start using that to your advantage you hear me it's time for you to start using that to your advantage you go to any business owner i dare you go to an investor go to any investor and ask them what's the matthew principle they will tell you immediately what the Matthew principle is. The, it, the, the Matthew principle summarizes risk it rich or poor you're poor which means like if i focus on $5, I could turn five to 10. I could turn 10 to 20. I could turn 20 to 40. I could turn 40 to 80. That's the Matthew principle. And that's, that's a principle of God's word that the world uses to leverage themselves above the kingdom. And so I'm just saying it's time to shift that. It's time for us to embrace that idea to say, if God made my business this successful, I'm going to now utilize the Matthew principle and say, if he gave you what he gave you, how many employees you got, Brett? Eight. Now, by the end of this year, you're going to have 16, right? So that's the Matthew principle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now use the Matthew principle in my, in my life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to st strategize and leverage myself for success. I'm going to take the principles of God's word and actually use them as tools to become successful in this world. Why? Not for myself. Not for, my, not for you. Not for you. You know, it, it's not for us. The, the scripture says... Uh, to the one who has been given much, what? Much is required. So what you have been given is an indication of your responsibility. <laughs> so, like, but we don't look at it like that. You know what I mean? We look at it differently. We look at it like what I've been given. I don't want I want to avoid the responsibility of what I've been given. But to know the truth is to know that what you've been given, you're responsible for. So it's a, whether it's a vision, whether it's a voice, whether it's an ability, what you've been given, like, it's going to increase. On the, you know, like when Pastor Mary was speaking that word, like, that was so incredible. But now there's, there's a responsibility to that talent. There's a responsibility to leadership. It's not just, and it's not for you. It's for the 16 that you're going to bring in, and you're going to bring justice. Anyhow, so I could, I could talk about that for a long time. So what's the Matthew principle? Rich get richer? Utilize the Matthew principle. How do you know what to do with what he's given you? You know his character. What's his character? He's good. He wants to multiply you. So just believe that, you know, put that in your pocket. Like, ah, right, fine. All right, now if he wants to multiply it, how do I know uh, what to do with it, you, 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 you increase it, you increase it. And where is, where is stewardship proved? In giving. It's, it's, stewardship is proved in giving. Faithfulness is proved in how you give. Amen? So let's give, to, let's give today. I, I pray that encouraged you and uh, blessed you a little bit. Uh, gave you some insight to where God wants to take you in your business, in your marriage, 
Uh, but let's hold it up before the Lord and let's bless it. Father, thank you for every gift and every giver. Come on, hold it up before God as we bless it today. Father, we bless every gift, every giver. We multiply it now because we know that's the, the character and the nature of our fathers to multiply. So we, dis- we declare multiplication. We declare, God, uh, that you're increasing your people. The Matthew principle is being, is being right now, is being put into effect over your people. To those who have, we declare more shall be added, not for us, God, but for the kingdom. For the kingdom, we bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go with me to Mark 8. I'll start there, Mark 8. This is a a series that um, I've I've been in for a while. Uh, I need a windshield. Uh, It's called uh, Windshields and Rearview Mirrors. I want to talk to you today about vision uh, how many have a vision for your life? How many have a vision? Amen. Hopefully by the, by the end of this message, you'll have a, a, a greater uh, vision. Uh, windshields and rearview mirrors. We look through the windshield of our life. We reference the rearview mirror in our life. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So what do you look through? The windshield. We reference this. We reference this, but you don't look to this for where you're going, correct? This is just an indication of where you've been. And it allows you to know and monitor where you're going. This is where you live. You live in the windshield and not the rearview mirror. So as we talk about vision today, I want to share a couple stories with you. There's, there's three stories specifically, three texts specifically that I want you to write down. The first one is Mark 8, 22 uh, through, and then uh, uh, Habakkuk 2, verses 1 to 3. Habakkuk 2, verses 1 to 3. And then Proverbs 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. You've got to read it in the King James Version. Any King James Version readers out there? No, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, you can, you know what, we're there, we're there, we're here, I secretly read King James, you know what I mean, I secretly, it's old school, yeah, I like the old school, Uh, and uh, the King James version, this reads a little different, I love it, because it cuts to the quick, it doesn't, it doesn't mince words, I like headlines and bottom lines, and it it says, uh, my people perish for no vision. So the Bible says that if you don't have a vision for your life, then you, you, you'll die. You'll die. And you may not die right away. It may take a long time to die. But that's even worse. It's even worse. So to live without a vision, but, but then, then conversely look at that text. It says, so then though if I have a vision, then I live. So if, 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 it, if a lack of vision creates death, then an acquisition of a vision of God then creates life. If you have a vision from God, guess what? You can endure anything. There's, it doesn't matter. Paul said this he's, when he was testifying in front of uh, the Roman authorities. He said, I received heavenly vision. I was kicked off my horse on the Damascus road and I was struck blind. But then in in the midst of my blindness, I received a heavenly vision. Sometimes we confuse what we see with vision. 
you know, I would, I believe that we'd be better off closing our eyes most times and asking God to show us things rather than keeping them open. I believe what's in front of you right now that you see is not an indication of what God sees for you or what God wants you to see. There's a, there's a few definitions. I don't know if I'll have time to get to all of them, but The first one is this. Vision is an illustrated destiny. Vision is an illustrated destiny. An illustration is an image. It's an image. I really want to talk to you about Habakkuk 2. Hold that. The second definition is vision is a word made reality. Vision is always a word made real. Habakkuk 2 verses 1 to 3, he says, watch this. He says, I'm going to set myself in the rampart. You take that down for a second. I'm just, I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm going to set myself up in the rampart. Habakkuk is a minor prophet. Tell me, talk to me. What does a prophet do? What He sees things, doesn't he? A prophet sees from the perspective of heaven and then declares what he sees. That's what prophets do, right? So prophets have this vision and they can see things that other people cannot this is why Moses said or Paul said "I, I wish you were all prophets I wish we would prophesy because vision because he knew vision is so compelling in your life that it'll carry you through seasons of pain Seasons of suffering, if you have vision, your vision, Paul said, man, I wish that we would all prophesy because because prophecy sees what you can't see in the middle of pain. And And God's people must possess this ability to see beyond the current moment. So he says, I'm going to set myself up in the rampart, and then I'm going to wait to see what God will say to me when he corrects me. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So you telling me, how well do you see? Let me ask you, how well do you think you see? How well do you think you see? When I ask you, how, how good, how good, that's a good answer. It's a good answer. Because the prophet said, I'm going to wait to see what God, I'm, first I got to reposition myself because I was positioned wrong. Then I'm going to position myself correctly in between a thing. So then when I'm in between a thing, I'm going to wait for God to tell me the, the way that he sees it. Because obviously I'm not seeing it right. So he's got to correct what I see. I can't speak what I see until he tells me what to see. Right? So the prophet who speaks on behalf of what he sees from heaven, says, I'm not seeing this thing right. And I'm just here to tell you that it's quite possible that what you see is not what God sees. 
And if you, if you want to see right, there's a way to do it. First, you've got to reposition yourself. That's hard. You've got to make adjustments in life that are hard. It's hard to reposition yourself in life because success, is, success will lie to you. Success will tell you what worked yesterday will work today. That's a lie. Just because, just because God spoke that way in times, past, in times past, God spoke this way. But today, now God's speaking this way. That's in the scriptures. That's in Hebrews. So, so he says, okay, I'm going to wait to be corrected. Remember I said, vision is a word made real. He said, I'm going to wait to be corrected. Then when I'm corrected, then he says, write the vision down. Now, I mean, I know this is like, I know like a, a lot of the world, you know, you've, you've probably heard this before. You're writing it down. How many have written down a vision from God? Oh, no, no, no. How many have written down what you want? Now, I just want to tell you what you want is different than what God wants. What God wants will require adjustment. What God wants will require uh, an indictment. Oftentimes. So he says, here's what the prophet says. Write it down. Be very, make it as clear as possible. Remember earlier I said vision is an illustrated destiny. So he said write it down. But you've got to write it down because if you don't write it down, you've got nothing to run to. But I don't want you just to write down what you want. I want you to make sure you write down what God wants. I want you to, it has to be written. It has to be what God wants. Now, John 1, verse 14. Does anybody know what it says? John 1, four, he says, Jesus was the Word, made flesh, and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word. So there's something, there's something about the logos of God. That when you get a word from God, a logos, a word from God, and you, and you listen to me now, come on. You take the logos of God. You write down the word from God. The logos places a demand on heaven to manifest it into reality. Because Jesus, it says, he became, he was the word from the Lord. He was, he was the word. Now, it wasn't enough, though, that God kept it. See, it's not information that creates transformation. It's not, it's not the acquisition of information that will create transformation. But until the, the information puts on flesh, until it becomes a vivid illustration where you are actually living in the middle of it, in intimate connection with it, it will be of no consequence to you. But once Jesus becomes flesh and enters into a covenant and he puts on and he dwells and he breathes and he, he walks and he walks on the water to you and he breathes on those that are slain. Once Jesus, the word, becomes flesh and dwindles, God is responsible to turn the word of the Lord that he spoke to you into reality he said he said if you'll get a word from me I am I am obligated to take that word from me so shall my word be when it goes it, it must return to me 
just like I, just like I said I was going to do it. This is why when Jesus was put in the grave, he had to come out just like God said he was going to do over thousands of years, 66 pages of, of Bible, 44 plus authors, just as God spoke it, it must come to pass. Why? Because it's the word. It's God's word. It's God's word. And so you want a vision? you got to get a word from God. You got to get a word from God, and you got to hold on to that word from God, and, and, and you got to run to that word from God. And once you get a word from God, you can't let go of that word. It can't be a word from man. It has to be a word from God. It can't be a word from your soul. It must be, it must be spirit, and it must be life. It must be spirit, and it must be. You get a word from God. God said, man, I am going to make that word put on flesh. I'm going to make it become real. And before you know it, that word, as long as you stay in faith, you'll just stay in faith and don't settle. Don't settle for 5,000 fish and loaves when you can have a resurrection experience. Don't settle in the middle. Don't settle for just a, a little bit of what you see and a little bit of what God sees. You've got you to gotta grab hold of the vision of God for your marriage, for your children, for your city, for your nation. You've got to grab hold of the vision of God for this church. You've got to grab hold of the vision of God for your health. You've got to grab hold of the vision of God for your, for your job. You've you, you, you got to grab hold of the vision and once you grab hold of the vision of heaven then God said I am obligated to take the word and turn it into I'm gonna make it walk on water I'm gonna make it breathe I'm gonna make it come to you in the moment I'm gonna make that thing real to you so if you want to turn the word your word into reality you got to hold on by faith you can't quit this is what he said that's why the prophet said, write it down. We miss this. We miss this. Why do I got to write it down? What's the matter if I write it down? Because the logos shall turn into reality. But God is not obligated to your word. God is not obligated to like society's, you know, opinion. God don't care about the economy. God does not care about what doctors say. God does not care about what the intelligent and the most proficient and the most, you know, you know, popular words. Are. He doesn't care. You know what he cares about? Write the word down and watch what I'll do with a word from heaven. I'll resurrect the dead with a word from heaven. I'll turn the word. I'll turn the logo. So it's not, okay, so, so write it down and run to it. So that was free. So, so vision, I might not get far today. So vision is an illustrated destiny. So I want to encourage you. Get a vision. Get a word from God. And don't stop. Don't stop asking him for the details of the word until you can put yourself in the word. In the future, I uh, we were between houses. We was moving, and and the realtor. It must have been the second second house because it must have been our second house. But you go through the house and you see the house. You know what I mean. You know, you, you, you know you, you're currently living in this house. I don't know why. I, Jesus, you know you settle. You settle. Where you've been will give you permission to compromise where you are. 
I was living in a house. We, we actually, you know, vision is so important that if you don't get it right, you'll be, you'll be living in a fraction of what you should be in. I pulled up in a driveway just before we got married. Six months, you know, we bought a house just before we got married. We got married in Hawaii. And we prayed for this house. I hated that house. The old lady died in there. It was wallpaper, three layers thick on the wall. There was, she smoked, she must have smoked five, four, seven hundred packs a day. The nicotine was on the wall dripping down. You know, it would literally drip. There was, there was drips of nicotine on the wall. You couldn't even get off. Every time the house would sweat a little bit, it would drip nicotine. You know, every time the condo, it was, I hated that house. I hated that house. But, but I should have had a better vision. So we was between that house and, and a house over on Jaycox. And, and you know, a, a, a poor vision will be a delayed reality. Poor vision equals delayed reality. My vision was so poor, I settled, I compromised. I, I couldn't even see well enough to see where I really wanted to go. I, I was so, it, there was such a film, there was such a haziness over, uh, over where I, I, I was. I lived in an environment where I was evicted every third month. All my stuff out on the curb every third month. So in, my, in this moment, my vision so distorted by, by where I had come from, that I settled for just a fraction of what God really wanted from me. Even what I could afford, I settled. And, and, uh, and so, like, when we, we was between houses, and, and we started looking at this other house, and no, it was, it was the third house. It wasn't even the first house. It had to have been the third house, because I wasn't even present. We bought the second house when we weren't even there. So it was the third house. So I don't know who it was, but it wasn't, you weren't there. She was my realtor. She sold me my house. So, so I'm trying to figure out who this realtor was. Anyhow, so forget that. So just come back to me. Come back to me. You're saying, Troy, come back to us. You're in somewhere other place. You come back here. We're sitting here waiting for you to get here. And so looking at this house, you know, going walking through this house, in this beautiful house, this house is beautiful. And I'm looking at it, and I get to this one place where I stop. And I stare into an empty room. Mm. I just stare into an empty room. And what I do in that empty room is I begin to place my furniture in that reality. And I got news for you. Until you begin to place the furniture of your current life into the reality of your future life, you don't have vision yet. It is not until you begin to put yourself into the reality of the existence that God wants for you that you, that you have vision. I sat there and I stared into that empty room. And sometimes in life you have to stare into something empty. Sometimes you have to stare through what is into what God has for you. You've got to stare through loss. You've got to stare through pain. You've got to stare 
through, through a little bit, and you got to see through that thing, and you got to put yourself in the reality of the promises of God that he spoke over your life. So sometimes in life, it don't look like what it is. You got to see what it shall be according to the heavenly vision from God. And so I was sitting there staring into this empty room, and, and, and the, the realtor came around the corner, and she, she said to me sheepishly, she said, what are you doing? Are you putting furniture in the room? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. How did you know? Well, you know, you know, I mean, you guys got your tricks, man. You guys got them tricks. Yeah. It's that voodoo you guys put on us, you know. You know, it's like when I go to the Harley shop, they're like, oh, throw a leg around, start it up. You know what I mean? What they're trying to do, put you in the reality of your future. Go ahead, put your furniture in it. So I ask you, have you put yourself have you moved yourself into the reality of what God sees for you? And not until you do that does it become something. And you got to get some people around you that will ask you, like Jesus, what you see now? Jesus, what do you see now? Well, I see men like trees walking among me. He touched you again. Now, tell me what you see again. You got to create such a vivid illustration of your future and you in it. You got to move yourself into your future. Tell me what it looks like. Tell me how much the job pays. Tell me what color the room is. Tell me. Tell me all about this thing. And not, not until you can define it and articulate it in, in reaction time. He said, I know where my furniture's going to go. When I walked through that house, I started putting Harleys in it. You know, I walked into the garage. I was like, I'm going to put one there. I'm going to put heat up there. And I'm going to park another one there. I'm going to put that there. And I'm going to put that there. And, I'm gonna, and then I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And like, tell me. Tell me about your vision. Tell me about your vision. What's your future look like? What's your job look like? What's your family look like? What's your, what, how do you, what, what, are your children coming to visit that place? Are they going to swing in the, in the backyard? Like, tell me about that stuff. How many employees do you have? Where's your new office located? Tell me about your vision. And it's not so, so like it, because it's not enough to drive in the general direction of destiny. That's, that's the mistake we make. We generalize the vision of God for our life. You know, God, God knows exactly what your future looks like. God knows exactly what it looks like. And my question is, do you know? Do you know? You can. Mark 8, 22. Let's read. Mark 8, verse 22 says this. It says, he came to Bethsaida and they brought him a blind man and they begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of town. That's, a, that's really critical. He led him out of town. You circle that. And when he spit in his eye, I need a, I need a volunteer this morning. Any volunteers? I saw a pastor do that. Don't ever do that, guys. Just because Jesus did it doesn't mean you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, no, sir, don't spit on people. That's bad. Uh, <laughs> he just spit. And he took it on the chin, too, man. That guy took it on the chin. Like, oh, my gosh, how did you see that going in your mind? Like, I'm going to spit on this guy. It's going to be awesome. Not exactly, not exactly. He's not really blind. But anyhow, he spit on his eyes, and he put his hands on him. So he spits on his eyes, he puts his hands on him, and he asks him, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? And the man said, I see men like trees walking. Verse 25, then he put his hands on his eyes again a second time. And he made him look up. Look up. 
Word of the Lord, look up. Stop looking down. Look up. Stop, stop looking sideways. Look up. Stop looking at man to do what only he can do. Stop looking around. Stop looking down. Stop looking around. Start looking up. Look up. God, what do you want, what do you want me to see? He made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. He saw everyone clearly after that. So I'm going to tell you a thing before I tell you the thing. First is your vision is only as clear as your last touch from Jesus. Your vision is only as clear as your last touch from Jesus. Jesus, You think you see good? When, I don't care what you think. Tell me when was the last time you were touched by the Lord. That will tell me how clearly you see. Number two, vision is impaired by exposure to what is common. Jesus took him out. What? Remember what he did. He led him by the hand, took him away from what was his experience, what was known to him. Took him out of Campito, took him down the road, took him away from what he knew. This is a principle, right? So your vision will only be as good as the distance you create between what you knew and what God has for you. You got to be exposed to the greater then. Tell me where you're going. Tell me what examples you're looking for. Number three, and this one's the one that's going to hurt a little bit because the greater the touch of Jesus, the greater the offense to your flesh. <laughs> Everybody wants to see right, but nobody wants to get spit on. Mm. Why did Jesus spit on him? Well, let's, let's see if you really want to see or not. I'll get to that in a minute. So, if you've ever wondered, like, okay, tell me, you got like 10 more minutes? Because I'm supposed to be done in five. You got five additional minutes? I need a consensus among the room, if that's okay, okay? I'll finish, you know what I mean? Uh, so, so, you ever ask yourself, why did Jesus spit on his eye? Okay, so they're in the Middle East, it's dry, it's in the middle of the desert, dry heat desert. Uh, many believe that the condition of the man who was blind was caused by an infection. What happens when you have an infection? What happens? Yeah, you get all pussy. And in the dry heat of Israel, the, the infection would have, you know, crusted over his eyes. It would have created this hard crust on his eyes. Have you ever, it's like this, have you ever... Uh, been driving down the road in the winter and you run out of the, 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 the juice. But, but, but you got to keep driving. You know what I'm saying? You can't quit driving. You're on I-90 going 75, 80 miles an hour in a 4,000-pound missile. No, I can't pull over and get me some juice. I got to keep driving. I got to keep on driving. So what do you do? You put them windshield wipers on. You learn a trick or two because the truck in front of you is spitting up mist. So I get behind that truck for a minute. Gives me a little, you know, so I get a little moisture on there. I can, I can see a little better so I can drive a little faster. You know what I mean? Because, you know, we don't, have, we don't have time to stop. You know, we don't have time to stop and, and let our vision be dealt with because life demands we keep on going. 
All right, so we're in the middle of the desert. He's got this infection in his eye, and the infection has caused blindness. Jesus comes up in an attempt because he's a good shepherd. He, you know, he loves and he's tender and he's kind and he's compassionate and he's gentle. He's gentle, so he spits in the guy's eye, not uh, not condemningly, but in a way to create moisture. The salve. He, he, the, the, the scripture calls Jesus the balm of Gilead. He spits in this guy's eyes, not, not to demean him, but to help him, to, to give him, uh, to, to allow him to, to, to moisten the crust of the infection that's been created by this, this, this sickness that he incurred that was never dealt with. He never dealt with the sickness, and because he never dealt with the sickness, it got in his eyes, and it'll get in your eyes, you know what I mean? Sin will get in your eyes, and once it gets in your eyes, it'll create a crust, and it'll, it'll distort your vision. It won't let you see the way you're supposed to see, and so Jesus spits in the guy's eyes. He spits in his eyes. I did that in another location. Nobody shook my hand afterward. <laughs> because I wiped it with my hand. They were like, oh. And then, you know, I could just tell it didn't go over very well, so I'm, I'm adjusting the message now, you know what I mean? So, so I'm not going to spit, you know? That's just gross and crass, you know? It was a bunch of dudes, I'd hawker on it, you know what I mean? But even saying that, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. Uh, so he, he takes it, then he, then he gently, he rubs this, this and moistens it, and then he pulls away the crust. He pulls away the crust, and he says, uh, what do you see? Is it possible that where you've come from, the experiences, the pain, the trauma, as a little girl or a little boy, it affected you? Is it possible? Is it possible that it has affected you and that that infection has not been dealt with and because it's not received proper touch, care, it's, it's blinded you to the reality of the God's promises for you. Is it possible? So, I, so, so there's just, you, can't, you can't discuss this without talking about two things. The, the, the things that create an infection in our lives, one is sin and the other is false belief. Sin, it, it, it's, it's caused by, like there's an infection in humanity and it's sin. And sin won't let you see clear. That, that's the principle behind this. Sin affects how you see. And so Jesus deals with the sin. He deals with the sin in the first touch, he comes, he spits, wipes it off, and says, "How do you see?" He says, "I see. I see better. I don't. I, I'm not blind anymore. I see better. I see. I see well enough. I see. I see good enough. We settle. We settle for good enough. Like I, it's okay. It's okay. Like that's better. That's better." It's better than it was. You know what I mean? It's better. As long as, like, just take away the pain. It's better than it, my God, I'm just thankful that it's better than it was. You know what I mean? I'm just thankful that my marriage is better than it was. I'm just thankful that my children are better than they were. I'm just thankful that my job is better. I mean, I can, at least I can endure it. But God didn't, God didn't, he didn't pay for the penalty of your sin to endure a life. He paid to give you life and life abundant. 
clarity. He paid for clarity, man. He wants you to see, he wants you to see that thing vividly. So, so we got to deal with that. And then secondly, like false belief. You know why the world is, you know why right is wrong and wrong is right and sin is virtue and virtue is sin today? You want to know why? Because everybody believes what they want. There's no standard. There's no truth. There's no clarity. There's no like this is, the, this is what you should be seeing. There's nothing up there that says this, this is clearly what we should be looking for. You know, right? This is clearly what we should be. No, no, there's none of that. Why? Because everybody believes what they want. I have a belief. You have a belief. They have a belief. They have a belief. Those people over there have a belief. Well, well guess what? That's false belief. And true belief is what he believes. And in, but in the affection of sin creates false belief. And false belief, you know, until he touches you the second time, can he deal with this, the false belief? Because false belief comes from the inside, right? Remember that. False belief comes from the inside. And so real quickly here, uh, how does then, how does Jesus uh, deal with our vision? How does he deal with our vision? Well, he has to change your sight, S-I-T-E, to change your sight, S-I-G-H-T. He has to change your sight, where you are, to change what you see. God, here, in 2023, you just got to embrace this. God is leading you away from the common. He is leading you away. Vision is affected by your environment. And remember what I said, your, your, your vision is impaired by exposure to what is common. Your vision, you won't see clearly. And so in order for Jesus to get the man to see clear, what did he do? He grabbed him by the hand. He took him away from what he knew. You know, I'm, I can't help where I'm from. I needed to get away from it. There are, people, there are people I know that stayed where they're from and never left it. And there are, pe- there are people who left where they were from and became all that God destined for them. But this is a principle all through the word. This is all through the word. What did Abraham, what did he say? He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. All right. That's fantastic, God. That sounds amazing. You're going to make me a great nation? Yes. Okay, now what? Start traveling in that direction. I'm not going to tell you where to go. I'm just going to tell you that you can't become what I've destined inside of you by remaining in this place that's common to you. You've got to get away from what you know, from your parents, from your sisters, from your brothers. They love you, but they will drag you down the moment you begin to become more than them. So you've got to get away from this place. So what will God do with you in 2023? What do you have to do? You have to partner with God and say, God, show me greater places. Show me greater vision. You got to get around people with better vision, greater vision. You, and that means it's going to intimidate you. It's going to intimidate you. It's going to scare you. But, but you've got to get away from it. You can't stay. You know what I truly believe about missionaries? And like this is worth a quarter, but you know what missionaries, uh, there's a cycle that happens on the mission field where missionaries stop seeing the vision of God. Want to know why? Because all they see is what they see. And sometimes you got to get out of the mission field to see the heavenly vision of God for your life. 
so you could go back to the mission field and say, I saw, I've been to the mountaintop. And you want to know what Dr. King saw? He saw something that no, nobody else saw. Why? Because he pulled himself out of the mission field every once in a while. And he'd get in the presence of the one who sees all. And he'd say, I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to get out of the bottom of the mountain. You've got to get to the mountaintop and you've got to see better. But you can't see accurately living in it perpetually. You must get out of it. You must challenge what you see. So what's God going to do in 2023? He's going to give you opportunities to see beyond what you're currently seeing. He's going to plant a vision in your life. Number two, how, do, how does God uh, improve our vision? He does this. He, the deeper the healing, the greater offense to the flesh. And this one, this one is, this one, uh, <laughs> I went to my closet and I tried to put on my skinny suit. I got a skinny suit. I do. I do. I have this black skinny suit. It is the measure by which I know whether or not I have gotten there, right? I went to put that suit on, and it did not fit. And I was offended. <laughs> I was so mad. I was so mad. I took that thing. I was in the I was in the closet. I was blown it, you know, took it, and I pulled it. Yeah, went all the way to the back of the closet, stuck it in there. Thought I lost weight. I thought I was doing better, right? What Jesus will often do is offend you. If you're going to see better, you're going to be indicted. He's going to touch you, and he's going to show you things. And if okay, and here's how you know if he's if you're if you're really touching him. Because he's not going to touch you and make you comfortable. He's going to spit in your eye. He's, if Jesus don't spit in your eye, you're not doing it right. But if he spits in your eye, and, it, and all of a sudden, you feel this rush of conviction and exhilaration and excitement, but yet embarrassment almost like just like oh this humility not not humiliation but humility that's the difference between humiliation and humility is jesus never humiliates us when he touches us he'll humble us so if the touch of god doesn't bring humility to your life then you're probably not seeing right but if he touches you it's going to offend you just like my clothes offended me and if when and so you've got to get You've got to be okay in the next, you know, few months saying, Jesus, go ahead and spit on me. So in order to receive healing, you're going to have to surrender your pride. And you're going to have to say, Jesus, take the salve and put it on my eyes. And then I close with this. Lastly, your vision is only as clear as your last touch from God. It's only as clear as your last touch from God. He said, he spit, he wiped it away. Well, what happened? He wiped it away. He dealt with, he dealt with what was on the outside, the crust. He, he wiped it away, the, the crust, the infection on the outside. He stopped at a gas station. We stopped at a gas station. We washed it. We washed it off. I went with dad, me and Adrian, went with dad. 
just after the hurricane. He's got a little spot down there, so he wanted to get down there to see his house just after Hurricane Ian. We jumped. We get to this, this rental place, right? We get to this rental place, and man, if it ain't the most, like, raggedy experience of my entire existence of, of rental places, you know. They tend to be pretty raggedy, but this was on a whole other scale of raggedy. And we walk in, I, I swear, there's like chickens walking around the place. There was like, there was, you know, you, you could smell food really strong in, in it's like, that, is, are, we, are we renting cars here or is this your house? Like, what are we doing here? And, and the, the TV was like hanging half off. There was, there was a table with nothing on it. There was trash, but all the trash was on the floor. So we walk in and I say, hey, we're here I'm here to uh, pick up my rental car. And he said, oh, yeah, that's not here. But you could take that. I'm like, that's not how this works, bro. That's not how this works, you know. And he says, he said, well, you know, th- that's all I got. And I said, that's all I got that's ready. And I said, well, what do you got that- that's not ready? So they take us around the back, and they show us this SUV. And uh, we open it up, and it looks like hobos have been living in it for, like, three months, you know. Like, literally, the trash falls out of it. So we're like, cool, this will work. Like, this is comfortable. This will work. Got enough space in here. So it-, it just wasn't cleaned. And so we just took all the trash out and it was disgusting. It was like, I don't even know what these people were doing in this thing. You know, there was potato chips and ketchup things and literally hats and gloves. And I don't even, they must've been in this truck for a long time, you know? And so we clean it out as best we can. And we just get in this thing and we mash the gas. And you know, most of us live our life that way. We're just so, we're so preoccupied with where we think we're going that we take no consideration to how clear we can see when we're on our way to get there. We, we, we drove, we, we stopped and we got gas. And when we got in the car, I said, man, that's dirty. So I did the thing, but there was no juice. So we stopped, cleaned the windshield off. For four states, we would stop and get gas, you know, and we'd clean it off. And man, something's wrong. This window's broken. Like, you can't see. And about, we drove through four states going 80. Well, when we were going 80, Adrian was driving. I did a speed limit. And we were driving so, <laughs> we were going so fast. We were driving so fast to get there. We weren't even aware that we couldn't see. And we pulled into the four state, literally drove four states. We drove four states. We pulled in. Dad, we put dad in the back. And then dad, dad, we pulled in the gas station, the four state in. Dad leaned forward and said, you know what, fellas? I do believe that that dirt is on the inside. (laughs) that's the wisdom that's the wisdom of a father i re- i took a napkin i, I said also oh yeah i said Adrian, it's dirty on the inside it's not dirty on the outside he's in the back seat and he can see what we couldn't why vision vision and jesus touched him and jesus touched him the second time the first time he said how do you see he said i see okay he said he said not nah, he touched him again what did he do he dealt with what was on the inside and it's probable it's probable that you're not seeing as clear as you should because of the experiences of yesterday where you came from the false beliefs in your life the first touch dealt with your sin the second touch deals with your false belief on the inside and could it be church that we we don't see what God sees because we're broken, we're hurt, we're offended, we're damaged, we're bitter on the inside. 
So as I close now, I just want to pray. I just want to pray. Right now, Jesus, yeah, if there's any here that don't know you, clean, give them vision now. But now we pray for the touch on the inside. Touch them on the inside. Touch us, God. Now, God, touch me. Just, just, just kind of open your palms up like that and say, God, touch me on the inside. I pray now for trauma from childhood, and I pray now from hurt and offense and bitterness and wrong thinking that, we, that you actually, like, God, I didn't even, that wasn't even mine. Somebody gave me that way of thinking. I don't want to think like that. Now, I pray, God, transform hearts and minds right now like only you can so we can see clear again because we have a destiny. We have a destiny, and God, I pray right Right now that that you would just show your children their destination in you as you clean the outside and the inside god show them that they are more than conquerors god that you have so much you've given them your word says you've given them a hope and a future and that future is full of your goodness now i just pray god they move in they move in in their mind they move into their future i pray right now you just move into your future hold it hold it with your hands put the furniture down paint the walls of your your, your future. Tell me what it smells like as there's as there's bread in the oven, there's fresh bread in the oven being cooked in your new place. I declare the vision of heaven now clean from the inside and the outside. In Jesus' name. Now every once in a while, I want you to look into the rearview mirror of your car. You get in your car when you go to leave here and you get out and you're, and you're driving. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to look at that mirror. Because what mirrors do is they, they prove progress. They prove progress. And in the, entire month, in the entire year of 2023, every time you get in your car, maybe carry a mirror around with you. And every time you, 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 you start making progress, you pick it up and you just look in it. You say, look how small yesterday's getting. Ooh, I just, I just passed a hater up. Ooh, I just, I just I'm moving. Because Why? The rearview mirror, it proves. It's proof. It's proof of what God did. Every once in a while, take a moment and say, God, thank you. You're good to me. You're good to my family. You're faithful through the ages. You are steadfast and forever. Your mercy endures forever. You are good to me, God. I thank you, God, that I, but never, never allow yourself, never allow yourself to live there. Never allow yourself to live in shame and condemnation. Never allow yourself to live in rejection and failure. No, no, I'm not living in loss. I'm not living in pain. I refuse to stare perpetually at yesterday and expect to arrive at my destiny tomorrow. I'm not doing it anymore. I'll use it. I'll use it. I'll use pain as fuel for my destiny. I'll look at it and say, I'm not there anymore. And let every day, every day you look at it, you say, I've gained a little more. I've gained a little more towards. I'm a little closer. I'm a little closer. I'm a little closer. But don't you ever let go of the heavenly vision. There's a heavenly vision that God has for your life. It's not small. It's not minimal. It's not in any way to be compared with where you come from. It's so much greater. And there are so many waiting for you to arrive there. Your children waiting. I feel the responsibility. I want you to feel that. There's a transfer now, responsibility. You feel it. Oh, to whom much has been given, much is required. Do you feel the weight of that? You've got to get to your destiny. You've got to show up. You've got to start your business. You've got to get past the pain. You've got to let Jesus touch you on the inside. You've got to get past it. 
can't keep holding on to that resentment and that anger. You got to let it go. You got to forgive. You got to move past it. Why? Because your destiny is so much greater than where you've come from. And there are so many waiting. You're leaving a trail of testimony in your, in your rearview mirror. Can you see what you're leaving behind you? I mean, Jeff, when you were singing earlier, I'm like, man, you're leaving a trail of evidence that says, follow the way, follow the way. That's where I'm going, man. God's taking you to greater places in 2023. It's not enough that you see a little bit. It's not okay that it's good enough. You got to get away from good enough. You got to get away from, well, I mean, at least it's not what it was. You got to get away from that. I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Every time you settle for what's good enough, know it's better. This is something my coach used to say. And when I heard Dr. Canton begin to say it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's Coach Dan Hawks. Good, better, best, never let it rest. Until good turns to better and better turns to best. And then, then I heard Louis add to it. Pastor Louis, he said, and better turns to what Jesus sees. Turn it into what Jesus sees. He sees. And you gotta, you gotta see better. You gotta see better. Right now with me, just Jesus, spit my eye. where the issues of my life, they come from my heart. And so, so I ask you to flood my heart. I ask you to make me brand new. 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 It's new. I promise to live every day for you now. Give me a heavenly vision. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's, here's two homework assignments. next to it. So in my office, there's these words that I have. And I put, them on the, I put them on the wall. So yeah, that one, I agree. Now don't put a word on your wall. I don't care if anybody calls himself a prophet or not. If the word is not from the, how do you know? God's good. He doesn't give his, his he's not going to prophesy trash to you. He's, he's going to tell you, man, I've got a hope in the future. I'm, I'm not destined you for condemnation and hell. I've, I've, I've given you life and life more abundantly. So you know it's going to be a good word when it, and it takes you into the life that Jesus died for. He didn't die to take you into a less than life. He died to take you into a more than life. And so when you get that word, you put it on there, and then you put an illustration next to it. What does it look like? I mean, go through, you know, the other day, I, 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 I said, man, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. In 2023, I'm doing it. So I scrolled through Google Images for probably three hours looking for the right image. I said, this is the one that I see in my head. I put it in my head, and I'm like, that's, that's where I'm going. 
And I was, you know, and in the process of looking for it, there were, there were moments where I was, I was tempted to just say, give up and just put something up there. And I said, no, I'm not just going to put something up there. I'm going to put what I see from God up there. And so I mean, as long as it took, and I, and I want to encourage you, as long as it takes, man, get an image. If you've got to draw it out yourself, you've got to ask somebody to get an image and make it as vivid as possible. Tell me the color. Tell me how many floors that thing has. Tell me how many gears it has. Tell me, like, what, tell me how many employees. Tell me, tell me where's that? Give it an address. Give it an address. You know there's like what, five plus nine digits to a zip code. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I started using my GPS. You do the same way. You put in the first five, and you're like, that's sufficient. But then they come back and say, no, this is a more accurate address. And they give you four more numbers. That proves to me that destination needs clarification. So, like, it's not good enough to just hope and a wish for it. It's not good enough. Put that thing on your wall. <laughs> give it an address. Give it details as much as you can. Like, and as soon as God gives you updated details, go back to the wall and be like, mm, that's good. That's more. That's more good. That's better good. That's good stuff. Hey, man. Now I get a beach? Yeah. I, got, I get two more floors? Yeah. Hey, as vivid as you can. Amen. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thanks for being here today. We love you. God bless you. Go.